God, we, we thank you uh, for Easter, and we thank you for the story, the greatest story of redemption that's ever been. And so we thank you for not only what Jesus has done for us in the cross, but that he conquered death and sin and hell. And so we thank you for this incredible story, and we thank you for this morning uh, that we can celebrate that, that we serve a risen Savior. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. We are... Um, well, we got, I, I noticed we got a lot of talent in the crowd today. Uh, Christy's brother, Kevin's here. Kevin, you finished, what, fifth? Fifth at Nationals. He wrestled at the University of Minnesota. So, yeah. We got Nate McCoy just back from caddying at the Masters. And so, Nate. We got Andrew Strutzenberg, who's the best church league softball player, I think, in this room. So obviously a lot of talent this morning, but uh, we're excited about this morning. We're continuing in a series on redemption. We spent about the last four weeks in this series on redemption. Nick kicked us off talking about going back to the creation and going back to the story of Adam and Eve. And then Austin and Alan followed up with two other stories from the Old Testament, uh, Abraham and Isaac and the story of, of Ruth as well. So it's been a great series and obviously it is great to end it with the story of Easter, isn't it? the greatest story of redemption that there is. And so we're excited to be here this morning and talk about redemption. So I'm going to share some stories. Some of them I shared before, but, you know, I know only about half of you pay attention anyway. So I, I, when I was 16, I got a job at, at Hy-Vee, okay? And when I was 16 at Hy-Vee, I, I started this job, and I was a bagger, okay? And I was a pretty good bagger, actually, to tell you the truth. And you could put a brown paper bag in front of me, you could put a plastic bag in front of me, and this thing's going to be bagged how it should be bagged, right? I could square the thing off. I'm not going to crush your eggs. I'm not going to crush your bread. I'm not going to stick laundry detergent with milk. Okay, I had this thing down. So I'm about a week into my job, and one of the managers comes up to me and says, Kyle, I've, I've got a different job for you. All right, they, they recognize my skills, right? They know, <laughs> they know I'm one talented bagger here. So we, he says he pulls me over. He says, Kyle, I want to teach you how to be a bottle boy. Now, as glamorous as that sounds, it really wasn't. And so I, I soon learned that uh, it was cleaning the toilets. And aisle 18 was, it was a place I spent a lot of time. I don't know why, but little baby foods, you know, they're about this big. And they stack them like five high. So you pull one off and four come down with it. And so I was always in that aisle cleaning things up. But one of my responsibilities as the bottle boy was when people would bring their cans and their bottles in, they'd set them on the table. I would pick them up. And I got... You know, like many things, I was very talented at this too. And so they, they set these, these bottles and these cans in front of me, and it'd be A&W, I know that was mid-continent, okay? Mellow Yellow, it was Coke. And so I'd have to separate between the three companies where these bottles and these cans went. And this process was the process of redemption, right? Well, the bottle boys today have it easy, right? They just got that machine, you stick them in, then you wheel them back. In my day, it wasn't like that, okay? So I would sit here and I would separate these things. The people would bring the cans and the bottles and all these different things in, and they'd set them on the table, and what would I do? I would give them money for the bottles and the cans. I would buy them back. This is what the process of redemption is. So we hear stories all the time about, about redemption. Alan brought it up last week. And how an Iowa State fan could use an example from NASCAR is beyond me. But Alan never ceases to amaze me and, and did that. 
But there are stories of redemption we hear all the time, right? All the time in the news, whether it be sports or wherever else, we hear these stories of redemption. Redemption and the definition of redemption is buying something back. Much like what I did at my time at Hy-Vee where we'd buy the cans and the bottles back. But also, there is a price that is paid to buy it back. Right? This is what redemption is. Buying something back but paying a price to buy it back. And the greatest story of redemption that we know is the story of what Jesus has done for us. The story, and if you look and and you read, and and Nick shared these verses with us in the first week in this series, but 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 7, you are bought with a price. You are bought with a price, the price of buying you back. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, this, this thought and this idea of redemption and what Jesus has done in buying us back, paying a price to buy us back. I think one of the coolest stories in the Bible, apart from Jesus, on, the, on, on redemption is the story of Hosea and Gomer. And you're familiar with the story. I shared this when we went through our series in Ephesians. But the story of Hosea and Gomer in the Old Testament. Here's a story of Hosea, who's a prophet and, and speaks God's word. And he is called to go marry Gomer. And Gomer from a, a land that the morals are, are rather corrupt and lax. And he marries Gomer. And in this process... They have a child. And then there's a couple other children that enter the scene. But these weren't Hosea's children. See, Gomer had been unfaithful. Gomer had cheated on Hosea. Eventually, Gomer leaves Hosea, enters prostitution, runs out, and leaves Hosea and the family. And God calls Hosea to do something. He calls Hosea to redeem Gomer. He calls him out, go buy your wife back, the bridegroom to buy his bride back. And so Hosea sets out to search for Gomer, and he finds Gomer just a a shadow of her former self. She's chained. She's in the marketplace, chained, desolate, destroyed, falling apart, and there she is chained. And Hosea who had been lied to, cheated on, Gomer had ran from him. What does he do? 15 pieces of shekel and 13 bushels of barley, he buys his wife, Gomer, back. What a picture, isn't it? A picture. Gomer, who had ran from him, who had cheated on him, who had lied to him, who had done all these things to him, yet Hosea called by God to go and buy his wife back. And can you imagine Gomer, probably at her worst, at her lowest point, and here is her husband, who she has done so much wrong to, yet there he shows his love, that at her worst and her weakest moment, he buys her back, he redeems her. It's a great picture of what God has done for us, a great picture of the bridegroom and the price that he paid for his bride, us. This is what God has done exactly for us. This is part of the story of Easter. That God has sent his son, Jesus, to come and buy us back. To come and redeem us. It goes back all the way to where Nick took us week one in this story on redemption. 
in the story of Adam and Eve, in the story of when sin entered the world, right? When God had created this world and Adam and Eve were in the garden, it was the way God intended it to be, right? They were in communion with God. They were living as God intended them to live. But then we know the story of what happens and sin sin entering the world. And because sin entered the world through Adam, through one man, sin has now entered the world. We all now born slaves, born into sin, born into needing to be redeemed by a perfect and a holy and a just and a righteous God. All the way back to the beginning, this is where we go. And we see that there is a need that the Redeemer would buy us back. Romans 6, 17 tells us that we were once slaves to sin, right? And to be a slave is to be captive, to be a prisoner of something, of someone. The Bible tells us that. And that's why we go back to Adam and Eve and we see this story that we are slaves. That we are captive. That we are prisoners. Much like looking at Gomer. right? She, in that marketplace, a slave, a prisoner, a captive. But the bridegroom pays the price, lays the money on the table to buy her back. This is the story of Easter. This is the story of what God did on that Friday, right? A price was paid. This is where it begins with us, and Alan brought this up last week, but the first thing we need to understand is that there is a need for redemption. There is a need to be redeemed. The first place we must understand for our own lives is that we are in a place that we need to be redeemed. That we are in a place where our, because like Adam and sin entered the world, our sins need to be Forgiven. Our wrongdoing against God needs to be taken care of. Our rights, our wrongs need to be made right. What is broken needs to be healed. And what is lost needs to be found. This is where it begins. Until we truly understand a need for the Redeemer, the solution is, well, it's pretty pointless if we don't understand the need, right? If we don't understand we're lost, if we don't understand we're broken. How can we know we need to be found or fixed or forgiven? I, I shared this story before, but it's a story of uh, when I used to speak at, at Willowbrook Bible Camp, and we'd have the high school group out there all week, and we'd always have a great time. One of my least favorite things to do is we took the entire group, I don't know, that'd be close to 100 of us, over to Adventureland, okay? I, I hate Adventureland anyways. It's always like 110 degrees when I'm out there. I don't enjoy the rides all that much, but we're out there kind of in charge, and so we're, we're, we're going on these rides, and at lunchtime, we were going to all meet up. You know, they got that little picnic area right outside, and we're all going to meet up there. I'm going to get a head count. We're going to eat lunch, so on and so forth. So what had happened that day, remember, this is kind of like a high school camp, but we had agreed to let uh, John Otley's daughter, Claire, come along with us. And Claire, I think, is in sixth or seventh grade at the time. So she comes along on this trip uh, to Adventureland with us. So lunchtime comes. We're all outside. And I begin to take a head count, right? And I'm one short. And you can kind of guess who's missing, right? The one non-high schooler we bring with us, the sixth or seventh grader, Claire Otley, is not with us. And so I panic, 
You know, as someone who's in charge, I'm panicking, what are we going to do? So a group of us go back into the park to search for Claire. And we look all over the place. And finally, I'm walking up, and I think it's those, you know, those little chairs you sit on, they go in a circle, all right? You throw up five minutes in. You know those things. Well, we go on, I, I, I'm walking up to it, and there she is. And I think she's got the biggest smile I've ever seen on her face as she's swinging around this thing, having the time of her life. And she gets off, I'm like, Claire, where you been? She goes, oh, I'm just riding the rides, right? Well, there's a hundred of us out there that know that Claire is lost, that she's lost. But does Claire have any idea? No, she's having the time of her life, time of her life. See, some of us have no idea we're lost. Some of us have no idea we need to be redeemed, that the bridegroom is waiting, that he's paid a price for us to buy us back. And as Alan pointed out last week, this this is the first step. This is the first place that we recognize our need to be redeemed. We recognize our need for Jesus. This is where it begins. And I would encourage you this morning to understand that. To not only understand who Jesus is and what he's done, but to understand your need for that. That we are lost, that we are broken, that we like Gomer, have ran. We've wronged our bridegroom. That we've gone in the other direction. And we need to be redeemed. This is where it begins. So I would encourage you this morning to understand that. Or even begin to ask God, God, show me my need for you. Show me that I need to be redeemed. Show me that I need to be free. That I need to be healed. God, reveal that to me. Even here this morning on Easter Sunday. Some of us, you know what, we've been coming to church our entire life, and we may have been like Gomer. Maybe there was the kind of the stage in our life where they had the honeymoon stage, and we we were in love, but something happened, and we kind of ran 100 miles in the other direction. But know that we have a bridegroom in Jesus that is welcoming, welcoming us back, that is pursuing us, that has paid such a high price to redeem us. He loves us. He's longing for us to return, to return into that right relationship. And what a day, and what a time to do that on Easter as we remember Jesus, as we think about what Jesus has done for us, right? What an incredible thing he has done. We are lost and we need to be found, broken and need to be healed. We need to be redeemed. As a slave, as a prisoner, as a captive, a price needs to be paid to set them free. Right? There's, there's this idea of a ransom needing to be paid for a slave. Much like Hosea with Gomer. Mark 10.45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and here's, here's a key, to give his life as a ransom for many. Go back to 1 Corinthians 6 and 7. For you are bought with a price. A ransom has been paid for you, for me. And that was Jesus. He gave his life as a ransom to be bought back. For you to be bought back, the price that was paid was what Jesus did for us. This was the price that was paid. 
Galatians 3.13 tells us this, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. The ransom price to bring redemption to the helpless sinners was nothing less than Jesus' death on the cross. And he paid it in full. Isn't that an awesome thing? The bridegroom has come to redeem the bride. Jesus has come to redeem me. And the cross, it was paid in full. All those wrongs I've done against God, all that sin in my life was paid in full on the cross. 1 Peter 1.18, key verse here. Christ died for our sins once for all. Christ died for our sins. This is the ransom that was paid. Jesus died for my wrongdoing. Once, once, took care of it. What an awesome thing. There's not this long list of things I need to do, right? I don't need to go back to the Old Testament and read the law and follow it to a T because Jesus came to fulfill the law. It was all, no longer a list of do's and don'ts, but simply knowing Jesus who has paid it in full. What an awesome thing that he has done for us. Christ died for our sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus, who was perfect, dying for me, the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Right? There is a chasm. There is a gap between me and God because I have wronged God. I was born a slave. I was born a sinner. I was born apart from God. But Jesus has provided a way. Jesus has gone to the cross. Jesus has redeemed and bought me back. What an incredible thing he has done. And what a price it was, right? It was an incredible price that was paid. You think of what happened in the days leading up. How Jesus is betrayed by a close friend. And Jesus is arrested. And Jesus is beaten. And Jesus is mocked. And Jesus is spit on. And they take that that cat of nine tails and that whip and they began to whip Jesus with it and at the end of this thing are little glass and rocks and they begin to take it to Jesus and they begin to whip him and these things kind of act as a little claw and a hook and they they grab onto Jesus's flesh and it begins to rip the flesh right off his body and Jesus is beaten and scourged and mocked and spit upon and the same thing happens again And Jesus goes through all this. And many people didn't survive even that. But after this happens, they stick the cross on Jesus' back. And Jesus is forced to march up to Golgotha, where he's going to be murdered and crucified. And here's a recount of what the crucifixion looks like. And I want you to think, as, as I read this, about this incredible price, right? Redemption is buying something back. Paying a price to buy it back. Listen to this incredible thing, this incredible price that was paid. It says, Jesus is thrown to the ground, reopening his wounds, exposing them to dirt and causing more bleeding. His hands are nailed to the horizontal arm of the cross as it lies on the ground. Once Jesus is nailed down, the guards lift the cross and place it on the vertical part pole of the cross 
which is already placed solidly in and sticking up from the ground. As Jesus is lifted up, his weight shifts to pull his nail-driven hands, causing his shoulders and elbows to dislocate. In this position, Jesus' arms would have stretched at least six inches longer than their original length. A guard then presses Jesus' feet to the base of the cross and drives nails through the top of them, causing the weight of his body to press down on the nails and his ankles. Jesus' weight pulls his body down and stretches his chest, making it hard to breathe. As carbon dioxide builds up in his blood, instincts kick in and Jesus tries to breathe. He is forced to push up on his nail, nailed feet to exhale. Low oxygen levels soon cause tissue damage and his body's capillaries start leaking fluid into tissues. This causes fluid to build up around the heart. The collapsing lungs, failing heart, dehydration, and the inability to get sufficient oxygen to the tissues will eventually lead to suffocation. Fatigue and cramping start settling in as his body throbs in pain. He eventually gets too tired to even push himself up to breathe, and breaths become short spasms. Throughout the agony of the cross, Jesus speaks seven times with his last breath. He tells God, his dad, he's coming home. The inconceivable suffering ends, and Jesus dies. It was a high cost of redemption, wasn't it? For you are bought with a price. The price of redemption for our wrongdoing, for our sin, was paid in full by Jesus' work on the cross. 1 Corinthians 5.21 tells us God made him, speaking of Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our place. Jesus redeemed us. And the cost was nothing short than his life. Nothing short than him going to the cross for us. The band is going to come back up here, and we are going to continue to worship. And the story's not over. And we're going to come and talk more about the story, the rest of the story here in a minute. But before we get there, I want to take a moment for us to reflect on this price that was paid. And so the bread and the juice are up here. They're up here right in the front on these three tables. There's a table in the back. And we want to take a moment as we think about redemption and we think about the price that was paid to reflect on that in the bread and the juice. His bread representing his body. And you think about the suffering that took place in this price that was paid, in this redemption that took place. Spit on, mocked, beaten, hands and feet nailed to a cross where he eventually dies. The bread representing his body. And the juice representing his blood that was shed. We're told we have a new covenant. No longer the old law, no longer the old way, but because of Jesus' work on the cross, because his blood was shed, we can be made right with God. What an incredible act Jesus has done. What an incredible price that was paid for your redemption, for my redemption.
So as we take the next uh, several minutes to remember this price that was paid, we ask you to, to sit where you are, and then when you have the opportunity to come up and take communion, the bread representing his body, the juice representing his blood that was spilled for you. What an incredible act. What an incredible price that was paid for your redemption, for my redemption. Let's pray. God, uh, what an incredible thing you've done for us in giving us your son. God, help us to look at our own lives and ask the question where we are. Ask the question, have we been redeemed? Has, has the lost been found? Has the broken been healed in our own life? God, and as we think about this, help us to dwell and think on this great act and this great price that was paid, this great ransom that Jesus paid in full by giving his life so that we, we could live. Thank you for the story of Easter, but that is more than just a story, but it's the single greatest act of redemption. Help us not to take this lightly and show us, reveal to us how we need to be redeemed. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the ransom that was paid. It's in his name we pray. after the Sabbath at dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Aren't we thankful the story didn't end at his death? See, the, the blood-stained cross, it reminds us that he was willing to redeem us. 
But the empty grave shows us that he was able to redeem us. Not only willing, but able. That is the power of the resurrection. That is the power of the story of Easter. That we don't serve a God who is dead, but we have a risen Jesus. That he is alive. You think of the Jews, and they go, and they go to Hebron where Abraham is buried. And they pilgrimage there to go and worship their forefather, right? Buddhists trace to Buddha, who's buried in India, and Islam to Muhammad, who's also dead and buried. And they pilgrimage there as well. Today, we don't take a pilgrim voyage to a grave, do we? Or to a tomb, do we? The power of the resurrection. The cross, it points us that Jesus was willing, but it's the empty grave that shows that he was able. The power of the resurrection. So I'd encourage you this morning to think about this incredible thing that God has done, this incredible price that was paid. The ransom that was paid was Jesus himself, his life, so that we may be redeemed, that our sins might be forgiven, that our eternity is set, and that our resurrection is secure. Our Savior is alive. We're going to sing and worship here a few more songs. But what an awesome thing to know, because Jesus is alive, when we sing, he will hear us. When we pray, he will hear us. Our hope is not in vain because Jesus is alive. Let's stand and worship together. Think of the story of Nicodemus. And Jesus encounters Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, a very religious man, a man who knew the word of God and studied the Bible. But Jesus told him that it's more than just knowing those things. It's more than just going to church. It's more than doing good things and, and good deeds. Jesus explained to him that, that we are all, we're born spiritually or physically alive, but we're born spiritually dead. And as he explained to Nicodemus, that you must have new life, new life, a spiritual birth. And there must be a point in our life when we've encountered that, when it's more than just showing up at church or going through the motions, but we understand this great price that was paid for us in Jesus' death. And so we wanna challenge you with that and encourage you with that this morning is that God has great, paid a great price to redeem you. And the question for us is, do we respond like Nicodemus? Do we understand we need to be redeemed? You were bought with a price. And that blood-stained cross, it shows Jesus was willing. And the empty tomb shows that he was able. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this, this morning. We thank you that this great price was, be, 
was paid, this great price of redemption, this great ransom, the death of your son, Jesus. God, may this be a, a very real thing to us. May you encounter us and challenge us like you did with Nicodemus, that we, we would respond, that we would seek you, that we would seek to know you, that we'd understand, as Romans tells us, that we would believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths we could be saved. Thank you for the cross and thank you for the empty tomb. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming.